The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I want to talk to you today if you are serious about your walk with Jesus and you want to carefully look at the heart of this journey that we've been called to. Pilgrim's Progress, of course, comes from John Bunyan's famous work, Pilgrim's Progress, first published in 1678. It has been referenced in countless sermons. It has been in continuous publication from 1678. Now, obviously, a book like this has weathered the test of time. It is the number one allegory in the English language. Now, on Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, there is a steady advancement toward the kingdom of God by Christian. But there are others who do not make steady progress toward the kingdom of God. There are others who are sidetracked, who take what they consider to be an easier road that goes the same direction. There are some who get caught by the giant despair, which was also the giant unbelief. There are others who climb in over the wall and they have never been willing to be crucified with Christ. I want to speak to you today who are desiring to be serious about Jesus. This is not a, a casual fluff program. This is not a feel-good program. I speak about the real journey toward heaven. Some of you listening today are making no progress on the journey toward heaven because you have missed some very key elements. He opens in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away, that is, so that we are not swept away by the currents of our culture. We're not swept away by the television or by the entertainment of our day. We're not swept away by a lust for money. We're not swept away because, how do I put this? When I got serious with Jesus, he became serious with me. And he moved with great power on my behalf. He spoke to me audibly on several occasions at the beginning. 
He gave me very specific direction. He brought a wife sovereignly into my life. And for the next 22 years, we enjoyed each other's company on the journey toward heaven. And then he took her. We always said, God stands between us. Jesus stands between us. That meant he had first rights on her life. He exercised those first rights. But let me tell you the other side, my side. When I came to Jesus, what I began to discover was the glorious peace of having his presence in my life. I discovered the glorious peace of turning away from sin, of walking clean before him. I enjoyed peace and love and joy. But then he took me into a desert place. He took me into a place that it seemed I would die in. And I began to learn a most basic lesson about God. If you want to be serious about Jesus and not just a casual, cultural Christian who says, okay, thank you, I have my health club, I have my favorite grocery store, I have my my favorite entertainment, and I have my favorite church, and I have my nice little religion package there for me. And I get inspiration, and I get, I get help on my journey toward prosperity. Those are cultural Christians. They're not real. They're fluff. If you want the real deal with Jesus, the first thing that will happen after his initial introduction to you and his grace and his peace coming into your life, the next step will be he will take you into a desert. Now this desert journey can last for many years or can be very short, a matter of days. It depends on what he has to accomplish in your heart and how willing you are to submit to what he's trying to accomplish. It also depends on how he wants to use you in the work of the kingdom. In my case, this desert walk has been more than 25 years. If I go all the way back to when I entered the desert unconsciously, it's been a 40-year journey. And Jesus had some very specific things he wanted to accomplish in my heart, in my life, discipline and training. He wanted to turn me away from all ambition. He wanted to turn me away from all need for the approval of other people. He wanted to turn me away from all self-righteousness and all religiosity. He wanted to teach me that he alone can feed my soul and that he alone can provide for me financially. 
He wanted to teach me that he is the source of all life. So I've been learning these lessons. And I've been praying. And I've been trusting. And I've been walking with Jesus. But let me say this to you. Jesus, when you go into the wilderness, is always a door. But he's always first a wall. What do I mean? I mean you will find yourself stymied. It will seem as though Jesus has left you, gone on vacation, abandoned you, and you will be tempted to refer to your default position of unbelief. And you will be tempted to say, Jesus is not doing for me what I know I must have for my family. He is not providing for me what I need. And so I'm going to go create it myself. If Jesus is not here, then I have to do it. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. And Jesus becomes a wall to you. I don't like this, but it's real. And it's only after hitting against this wall, Jesus, and having my heart sufficiently humbled and beginning to study the scriptures and devour the word year after year after year after year with him bringing experiences into your life of absolute devastation and then opening a small door of deliverance and you go through that door and then you find the wall again you go through and hit your head on that wall how many times? And finally, God opens another door. Jesus is both a wall and a door. And if you're tempted to think, He has deserted me, I don't feel His presence, it's only because He's calling you to come closer to Him. And uncover your heart and see, in your discouragement, will you turn to sin and to humanism? Or will you turn to Jesus and have your whole life transformed? Is your comfort found in the entertainment of the world? Is your comfort found in the refrigerator? Eating food? Is your comfort found in fulfilling your ambitions? Is your comfort found in making money? Jesus wants to be the source of all comfort. And anything that you find comfort in outside of Jesus giving it to you is idolatry. And usually people do this out of frustration because of Jesus the wall. They hit the wall. And they say, it's too hard. I can't do this. It's hopeless. I'm going to go do what I know I have to do. As we come again to study the book of Hebrews, 
I want you to hear this. This is verse 11, chapter 2, Hebrews 2, 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Let's be clear. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to pray and to meditate on the word and on your life. And if you're serious about Jesus, you're going to have to do these basic disciplines that serious Christians have done through the years. Read the Word, pray, and meditate. What do I mean by meditate? I mean review your actions, your attitudes, review, review your feelings, review how you are functioning in your inner person, in your heart, and in every place where you have grown hard and harsh and hard-edged, you're going to have to back away from and you're going to have to humble your heart before God or you will continue standing at the wall breaking your head against it, breaking your back against it. I want Jesus to call me his brother. I want to be, and I praise God, I am a part of his family. It did not happen quickly, and it did not happen easily. Now, some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about because you have never simply come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I give myself to you. I grant you all authority over my life, my body, my spirit, my soul. Would you now take possession and begin to do that wonderful work of redemption in my life and in my heart? And then you have been willing to submit yourself. Many of you have never done this. You simply said, I'll accept you, Jesus. Never recognizing that it's not about your accepting Jesus it's about you giving Jesus permission to enter into your life and begin to do what he needs to do to transform you into his likeness so that you can be counted as his brother or sister. You can be part of his family. This wickedness of the sinning Christian. The wicked belief that I can continue in the Gnostic faith of walking in my sin and that I'm still righteous because when God looks at me, doesn't see me, sees Jesus. Can I be plain? That's a lie. Jesus is not blind. He does not turn his eyes from the sin of his people. He came to bring salvation. Salvation from what? From sin. He came to remove your sin. 
and the process I'm describing to you for you today is a key part of that journey for his dealing with our inner sin. Now, when we look at the third chapter, let me begin reading with verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The word harden means harsh. If you hear his voice, don't become harsh toward God. Don't allow a hard edge to come into your life. It says, do not harden your hearts. Well, that word hearts, very interestingly, is specifically referring, it is specifically referring to thoughts and feelings. In other words, He's saying, today, if you hear the voice of God, do not take a harsh, hard-edged position with your thoughts about God. As you did in the rebellion. Well, the word rebellion in the Greek has the sense of provocation. It has the sense of irritation. So he's saying, if you hear the voice of God, if the Holy Spirit is calling you, and he's calling you or you would not be listening to this broadcast, if you hear the Holy Spirit calling you, do not take a a hard-edged position in your thoughts when you are irritated. When you become irritated with God, when there's a provocation, and I can give you several, when suddenly your business is not working the way you want it to work and you become provoked, angry, irritated. When a relationship is not going the way you want it to go with your son or with your daughter, and you become angry, you become irritated, you become provoked. When your boss doesn't treat you the way you think he should treat you, you're provoked, you're irritated, you've got a bad attitude, you're in a bad mood. He's saying, when this happens to you and you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you, don't let your heart go hard. Don't let your thoughts and feelings become hard against Jesus. Humble your heart. Humble your heart toward God. Now he goes on. 
and this is quoting what he said to the children of Israel, and it's in specific reference to their wandering for 40 years in the desert and then dying in that desert. Here's what he says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not take a hard edge in your thoughts as you did when you were provoked, irritated, during the time of testing in the desert. The time of testing is when God becomes a wall and not a door. And you're expecting a door. You're wanting things to work out the way you want them to work out. And when they don't, you become irritated. You become provoked. You become angry. He's saying, don't let your heart be hard-edged with God when you're angry. He goes on. For 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. That is why I was, another word for angry is grieved. Grieved with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. That is, their hearts are always roaming in their irritation. They hardened their, their thoughts. And if you remember what the children of Israel did with their hardened thoughts, they said, we're going to die in this wilderness. It's hopeless. They said, let's choose another person to lead us and let's go back to our slave life in Egypt. Well, all of that was simply an emotional thought being hardened by their unbelief. By their unbelief. Because Jesus was being a wall to them and not a door. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. When they didn't get a land flowing with milk and honey because of unbelief and refusal to enter into that land, they had to wander in the desert until they died. Did you know, my brother, my sister, you can wander in the desert until you die. Some of you are in jobs that you hate. Some of you are with a husband or a wife that you hate. Some of you are angry and bitter in your spirit. You can die in that desert. You can spend the rest of your life angry and bitter. You can end up never getting what you want. If you harden your thoughts against Jesus or against a spouse or against a boss, you harden it, you're irritated, you're angry, you may die there. Do you want to die where you're at? And some of you have finally just said, well, I give up. This is what my life is. I can't do anything different. I might as well just 
stay here. I might as well just work this job. I might as well just put up with all this nonsense because I can't do anything different. I have to have the money to pay my mortgage. I have to be able to pay for my family. So I'm just going to be here. I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm irritated. You could die there, mister. You could die there, missus. Do you understand? You have met Jesus, the wall. And he is a wall to you because of the stubborn unbelief in your heart. And the Lord is not going to let you take one step forward until you humble your heart and repent of your hardness and repent of your unbelief and get serious with Jesus. It says, this is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. And they do not know my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger or my grief, they shall never enter my rest. Literally, they shall never enter my place of repose. They shall never enter my bedroom. I will never be intimate with them. I mean, I hear some people saying, God is not involved in my personal life. I ask a man, single, an older man, no, I should say a mature man, do you pray for a wife? No. I'm not going to bother God with asking him for a wife. Well, do you want a wife? Well, yes. So he has, in his irritation, closed his heart to believing Jesus is involved in the minutia of his life. Now, I'm going to say something to you that some of you will have a hard time with. There is no aspect of your life that God is not intimately acquainted with and involved with. There is not one aspect of your life that God is not totally aware of and involved with. And he will be a wall to you until you humble your heart and give up your harsh feelings, until you submit to him and begin to believe what he's whispering into your heart and hope will rise in your spirit and then you will find Jesus is a door, not a wall. But he will be a wall to you until he has dealt with the hardness of your thoughts toward him or toward another person. Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that's sinful, unbelieving, 
thoughts and feelings that turns away from the living God. You know, there have been a couple of times in my life when I have grown so bitter over meeting that wall for so many years that I finally said to God, okay, you are not speaking to me, you are not directing my steps, I am miserable, and I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. When you change my circumstances, I'll talk to you again. But until then, I'm not going to speak to you. The longest I was able to hold out was a week. It was probably the most painful, miserable week of my life. Because I was in total rebellion against God. And nothing changed. And at the end of the week, I said... This is not getting me anywhere. The wall has only grown thicker. And I went back and humbled my heart and repented before him and beseeched him to answer the cry of my heart. And he became a door. He's real. Jesus is real. And every aspect of your life is known by him and controlled by him. And he is trying to accomplish something in your life where you will humble your heart, where you will release these harsh feelings the hard-edged feelings toward him and others that he could mold you into his likeness. Now I'm going to open the phone lines early today. I think we have the problem solved and I will try to take your calls. If you would like to call and pray, if you would like to repent for being angry with God, or indifferent to God, which is the same thing as anger. If you are indifferent to God, you are angry with God. If you are depressed, you are angry. It's a root of bitterness in your heart. And if you need to talk about it and pray about it, because God has been a wall to you and you need him to be a door, then quickly call. The phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. That's 877-534-0780. And while I'm waiting for you to call, let me give you some information. We are now well along in this month and we are far short of the resources to cover the broadcast bill with WAVA for this month. The only way I know to cover the cost of this program is to ask you to bring tithes and offerings. Always the work of God 
has been paid for by the free will offerings of God's people and the tithes of God's people. If this broadcast is important to you, if you learn things and are convicted and grow closer to Jesus, then I invite you to bring your tithes and offerings that we could continue next month with this broadcast. It is month to month. So please, would you just make out a, a check to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We are still more than $3,000 short for this month's radio bill. I've not been talking about the money. Instead, I've just been teaching and I've been so involved in this study in the book of Hebrews that I have forgotten to talk with you about this. But I recognize that giving is a part of worship, and this broadcast is about worship. It's about coming to Jesus. So please, take a moment. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I went to the post office yesterday and there was one dear believer who had sent $20, a money order. Thank you. But we're going to have to go far beyond that. And I stand by faith in Jesus that he will work in your hearts and he will open the way for this broadcast to continue. So please call 877-534-0780. Now I'm going to continue because it gets even more serious. See to it, brothers, this is verse 12, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart or thoughts, feelings. Heart means thoughts or feelings that turns away from the living God. Why would they turn away? Because they're irritated. Because they're angry. Because God has been a wall to them and they want a door. And when they don't get what they want, they become angry. How many people I've had come to the National Prayer Chapel and there be brought face to face under deep conviction of the wall that they cannot go any further until they've repented and changed their ways. And then they have to learn God's ways. And the first thing that God seems to always deal with is ambition. I just want God to bless me so I can go make money. No, God's not interested in blessing you so you can go make money. Oh, he's interested in money. But he's not interested in satisfying your pride, your self-esteem. He wants to humble your heart. 
says, but encourage one another daily. That's why I'm encouraging you today to obey the Spirit in the Word as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Today, again, he's saying this again, today, if you hear his voice, do you hear voice of God in your spirit? Do you hear the voice of God as you read the scriptures? Do you remember one of the statements of absolute belief is that the Holy Spirit is continually working to speak to you, to draw you into intimacy with Jesus, to uncover for you the incredible union that you may have with the living God of heaven. The Father wants to come and live in you, and he wants you to live in him. Jesus talks about this. John, the 15th chapter. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, the NIV says. Literally, do not grow harsh in your thoughts, in your feelings, as you did in the rebellion, as you did when you were irritated, provoked by the wall. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry or grieved for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So unbelief, harshness of thought and feeling, led these children of Israel to rebel against the Most High. And the result was they died in the desert. I want to look at another passage of Scripture. It says, chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay more careful attention. Well, how do you give someone attention? You turn your thoughts to them. He's saying, watch your thought life. Do not allow anything to draw your thought life away from Jesus. Do not let anything or anyone draw your thought life away from Jesus. Then chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts, your emotions, 
on Jesus. Don't fix your thoughts on making money. Don't fix your thoughts on gaining some specific relationship. Do not fix your thoughts on what you want. Put your thoughts and your emotions on Jesus. And when you're provoked because you find a wall and not a door, keep your thoughts on Jesus. Now, how are we led astray? By cross currents. It works usually like this. Our thoughts will begin to wander. Something in our flesh will rise up. We're irritated because we have not received what we thought we should receive, whether the respect or the recognition or the rewards or whatever it is. We're irritated. We're provoked. We're uncomfortable. There's a lust in our heart. Because we don't have what we want, we become opened to taking our thoughts off Jesus. He says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your attention on Jesus. But if your thoughts wander and you begin to meditate on a wrong that was done to you or a lack of respect or you begin to reflect on your financial position and you fix your thoughts on that, you resolve then to do something about it. If God's not going to move, I'm going to go do it myself. Now you harden your thoughts. Your feelings become harsh. You write God off. Well, I guess it's just up to me. Now, believe me, things can become very, very painful very quick. And we turn away from Jesus because our thought life is filled with rage over an irritation or a provocation or a bum business deal or over the money we owe and the impossibility of our situation. Our thoughts become fixed on a family member who will not return a call or a family member who treats us like a dog. And we become harsh in our thoughts. We become judgmental in our thoughts. Accusations rise up in our hearts because our thoughts are not fixed on Jesus. How do you fix your thoughts on Jesus? By reading the word. Remember, Jesus is the last word spoken to 
the world. He used to speak through prophets at various times in various ways, but now he has spoken once and for all through his Son. And if we want to hear from God, we're going to have to hear through his Son. So it means reading the Word. And some of you say, well, I've got it. I've read the Word from Genesis to Revelation how many times. I know what it says. Intellectually, yes. But your thoughts are still proud and arrogant and hard-edged. And you have refused to humble your heart before God and submit to Him. You have held on to your darling sins. You've, you've held on to your darling professional sports or your darling telephone or your darling internet. You've held on to your darling sins and you have refused to let Jesus at them. You've held on to your alcohol or your tobacco. You've held on to your fornication or your lying or your cheating. You've held on to your favorite cuddly sins. I can't tell you how sorrowful it makes me to meet a man or woman who knows the word intellectually and they have this religious life but they have no love of Jesus in their hearts. They've never entered the rest of Jesus. They're angry most of the time. They're bitter. They're hard-edged. If you touch them, they may explode. Where are you in this? What are your thoughts? We have time for maybe one quick call. I'm going to open the phone lines for you to share. 877-534-0780. Now I'm going to come back again. Many of you listening to this broadcast need to pay the price and come to the National Prayer Chapel where you can learn God's ways. I know there are not very many places where you will hear a message like you've heard today. If this has challenged you, if it has awakened you, and you're willing to begin to examine your thoughts and your feelings in light of your irritation with God being a wall in your life, and I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel and begin to learn the ways of God to begin to be under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. If you're casual, laid back, you go to church, you get a little inspiration, you hear some jokes, you talk to some people, you go out to dinner. If that's church, you will not like the National Prayer Chapel. The National Prayer Chapel is the Holy Spirit boot camp. It's where you get real with God. It's where you hear real messages. And it's where you are directed toward the cross, toward crucifixion, and then toward resurrection and service in the kingdom of God. So let me tell you where we meet. We're at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. 
Now, the All Saints Anglican Church is a wonderful family church. It's a new building. They're located right beside the Hilton Memorial Events Center on Gideon Boulevard. Let me give you, or Gideon Drive, let me give you the address. It's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. And the zip code? 22192. Drive around to the back side of the parking lot, and there you'll find a large white sign saying Lower Lobby. Enter the double glass doors to the Lower Lobby, and the worship center will be immediately on your left-hand side. And the worship service begins with corporate prayer, not with chit-chat. We begin with corporate directed prayer. That will begin at 12 o'clock on Sunday, 12 noon on Sunday. If your heart is hungry for Jesus, he'll meet you there. If he has been a wall to you, and you need to find a way to get to Jesus as the door, you'll need to learn his ways, and you'll need to learn how to humble your thoughts and your feelings and keep your eyes on Jesus. If this is important for you, then pay whatever price you have to to come. I mean, one family drives from Frederick, Maryland. Another family comes from uh, Hyattsville, Maryland. Another family comes from another place in Prince George's County. People come from all over the area, Dumfries. They come from all over because they want to learn the ways of God. And they want to be with other men and women who are on this journey toward heaven. So please come. Visit us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. Now let me pray. Almighty God, I come before you today pleading for your people. There must be an awakening, Lord Jesus, a turning aside from our irritation and our ambition. Lord, there must be a turning to you once again. Lord, our nation is being destroyed. It's being ripped apart by wicked men and women. Murdering babies. Lord, bringing in every kind of unclean thing with the mental problem of transgenderism, the mental sickness, the sin of homosexuality. Lord, Lying, cheating, stealing. Lord, it seems that America's gone crazy. Financially ready to be destroyed. Lord, our nation is going crazy. We've lost the Judeo-Christian ethic. We have become a pagan nation. And Jesus, if you don't come and awaken us, it will only grow worse. I'm beseeching you, Jesus. Awaken your people. Call them out of their 
out of the lies they've been taught that they can continue to sin and they're saved. Lord, they're not saved at all. They've turned to darkness and been comforted by the lies. Lord, I plead today that you would awaken your people across this city. Lord, awaken your people. I just speak to the people in the name of Jesus. Awaken, awaken, come out of your graves. Seek Jesus, repent, turn once more to Jesus, and he will be a door to you. He will receive you. Lord, I stand by faith today that you are awakening Washington, D.C., that you are going to bring a great revival to this nation, and you are going to restore righteousness to your people. Lord, I look to you. You are my only hope. If you don't do this, we are lost. Lord, I plead, minister to your people today. Comfort them in the name of Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining us today. Please share this message. It's on YouTube. Please share it. Send it to friends, family. It's time to wake up. It's time to let Jesus be a door to enter into him. I love you, my brother, my sister. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.